always see, when I see visitors when we're going through Ezekiel, I always almost feel like I need to apologize. <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't. Uh, the prophet. What planet have you arrived on? You come to a church that's preaching on Ezekiel chapter 19. I preach for texts, various texts from this book over 40 years, but never the whole thing. And uh, I don't often take requests, but uh, my dear brother, retired captain, Navy, that's like colonel in the Army, for those who don't know. That's way up there. Nuclear submarine commander asked, had been asking me for 10 years before he passed that I preach this book. And I've been avoiding it, disobeying his order. Uh, then I decided that I would do it and begin and got through, Jay and I got through a big part of it. And uh, we are starting to get to those really difficult passages. <laughs> we passed one and uh, we're going to come to some others. And I, I say that. Uh, um, not like that. Um, there are some very difficult things in this book. And uh, like all the Word of God, they are written for our instruction. They are written for our uh, edification. They are written that we might apply them to every area of our life. So with that in mind, uh, I'm going to begin reading it uh, Chapter 19, and we'll read through chapter 20 and verse 17, and tonight we'll pick up at verse 18 of chapter 20. So give your attention to the reading of the Word of God. And you take up a lamentation for the princes of Israel and say, What was your mother? A lioness. Among lions she crouched. In the midst of young lions she reared her cubs. And she brought up one of her cubs. He became a young lion, and he learned to catch prey. He devoured men. The nations heard about him. He was caught in their pit, and they brought him with hooks to the land of Egypt. When she saw that he waited in vain, that her hope was lost, she took another of her cubs and made him a young lion. He prowled among the lions. He became a young lion, and he learned to catch prey. He devoured men and seized their widows. He laid waste to their cities, and the land was appalled, and all who were in it at the sound of his roaring. And the lions set against him from provinces on every side. They spread their net over him, and he was taken in their pit. With hooks they put him in a cage and brought him to the king of Babylon and brought him into custody that his voice should be no more heard on the mountains of Israel. Your mother was like a vine in a vineyard planted by the water, fruitful and full of branches by reason of abundant water. It, its strong stems became rulers, scepters. It towered aloft among the thick boughs. It was seen in its height with a mass of its branches, but the vine was plucked up in fury Cast down to the ground, the east wind dried up its fruit. They were stripped off and withered. And as for its strong stem, fire consumed it. Now it is planted in the wilderness, in a dry and thirsty land. And fire has gone out from the stem of its shoots, has consumed its fruit. So there, is, there remains in it no strong stem, no scepter for ruling. This is a lamentation and has become 
a lamentation. In the seventh year, in the fifth month of the tenth day of the month, certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. And the Lord, and the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Is it to inquire of me that you have come? As I live, declares the Lord God, I will not be inquired by you, of by you. Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? Let them know the abominations of their fathers and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, On the day when I chose Israel, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I swore to them, saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. And I said to them, cast away the detestable things your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them and spin my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they live, in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules by which if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them, he shall live. And my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them in the wilderness to make a full end of them. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations, in whose sight I had brought them out. Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. But nevertheless, they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes and profaned my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eye spared them. And I did not destroy them or make a full end of them in the wilderness. Heavenly Father, bless to our understanding the reading and the exposition of your infallible inerrant word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A lament is a sorrowful song. Nearly half of the Psalms, the 150 Psalms, almost 70 of the 150 Psalms are laments. They are songs of, of sorrow. Uh, Jeremiah is uh, the book of Jeremiah, who is a companion of Ezekiel, who wrote at the same time as Ezekiel. He, 
And there is a uh, book, a lament at the end of his book called Lamentations, which is a very long, sorrowful song. Um, we like that genre still, right? Uh, if you're like me, you like bluegrass music. Almost every other song is a very sad tale. <laughs> Country music is certainly the same way. I uh, don't listen to many other genres, so I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't know. I, I think of two, 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 two come to mind. I'm always reticent about cultural references because they can, they can get you in trouble, but I think of one from my childhood that was entitled The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. That's a lament of a passing of a way of life. Or, or if you're from the north, you've probably heard the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. There's, there's a lament ballad. The sorrow of loss and tragedy. This, this uh, is a lament for the tragedy of rebellion and what it is going to cost the land of Israel. Ezekiel is prophesying, he's already in the vanguard of those who have been carried into captivity to Babylon, and he is in the vanguard of, of those who are waiting the rest of the judgment to fall. And he's telling the story about uh, uh, through uh, uh, an extended parable in this lament of the destruction of the kingly line of Judah. That's that's who the lions represent. If you remember when uh, uh, Jacob gave his blessing to his sons in Genesis, he came, he gave them each a title, he gave them each a name, and he came to Judah. And he says, Judah is a lion's well. Genesis 49, if you want to look it up. Uh, the lion, it represents the kingly lineage of the Davidic dynasty. And, and these, specifically, he's talking about two cubs. And if, we, if you follow the historical background in 2 Kings, the last three or four chapters in 2 Kings, you, it... Uh, it you don't have to uh, watch those wretched uh, uh, movies called The Game of Thrones. I haven't, I've never watched one, but, I, but I've heard about them. Uh, I've read enough history to know that they're based in fact. Uh, they're wretched, uh, wretched tales of what uh, kings do. And this lament, if you read it and understand it, is a... Is a uh, tale of what these kings did. And there are two kings that are uh, specifically in mind. One is Jehoahaz. Uh, he, he was carted off to Egypt after the defeat of his father Josiah in a terrible battle. He's carted off to Egypt where, where he dies. The second king is is probably Jehoiakim, or maybe it's Zedekiah. They're all they all run together, kind of, and so there may be they may be conflated. Uh, nonetheless, uh, these two kings that tried to re lead a rebellion and keep Israel intact as a nation, when God said, "No, you need to surrender," 
and take your lumps and go into captivity. They, they decided, they got full of themselves and they decided that they wouldn't do that. And so they are exiled uh, after uh, Jehoaz is carted off to Egypt. Uh, Zedekiah has that gruesome ending where his eyes are put out after his sons are killed in front of him. They are testaments. In this lament, you have a testament of what happens to kings and rulers, as well as everyone who tries to rebel against God's established plan. You will be defeated. You will lose. But we also, when we see that truth, we also see the great, wonderful truth of the gospel. You have to look for it. You have to peel it back. That God overrules defeat. God overrules rebellion. He overrules humiliation and shame in order to exalt himself. Um, That's the first, the first uh, part of this song is about these young cubs that are in rebellion, that become lions. They grow strong, and then they are, they are uh, carted away and destroyed. The second illustration is one that we saw last week in, back in uh, chapter 17, and before that we saw in chapter 15, the illustration of a vine. And, and we referenced all those passages like Isaiah 5 where Israel is compared to a vine, uh, a flourishing tree that reaches enormous height and its arrogance and its um, uh, overgrown uh, entanglements are cut down and they are burned. The places of great wickedness that were put in the place of the worship of God. It is again a, a, a picture of what happened in ancient Israel around 591 BC. The historical facts uh, that are borne witness to here are corroborated even in the human annals of history. We, we, we see it, if you're a student of history and if you're a student of the Bible, you are a student of history. You know that the history of mankind is one rebellious nation after another brought low. The greatest example of, of, of a great nation in history is the Roman Empire. And for over a thousand years, the Roman Empire ruled. And many have tried to emulate it since, but none have made it to, to its extent and depth of influence. And yet when you go uh, to Rome, or any of the provinces of Rome, and you go out to see its grandeur, what do they take you to see? A bunch of crumbling rocks. A bunch of crumbling temples that are falling apart. And though Rome grew and expanded for over a thousand years, what do you go and look at? You go and look at a ruin. Because that's what happens to all 
before a sovereign God. Wicked nations will be brought low. All wicked nations, and as we learned last uh, Sunday night in this uh, chapter uh, 18, all individuals in rebellion against God will be held accountable to him. The Apostle Paul says it in the book of Romans so well. There will be tribulation and distress for everyone who does evil. To the Jew first and then to the Greek. And here we have the Jew first. The tribulation and the trouble that is falling on Israel. Chapter 20 continues this thought about Israel's repeated rebellion. And it goes through a history of the Old Testament, of the people of Israel. And, and one of the things when you read the, the Old Testament in particular is you notice that again and again, God's people are doing well. Uh, and then all of a sudden they decide to worship idols or make some foreign alliance that God is not pleased with. And they are judged. And so Ezekiel, the, the preacher that he is, simply goes through the, the Bible from the beginning of the history of Israel and points these things out. Ezekiel is given here a word from the Lord. First Corinthians 10 is one of the most important texts that we have about how to, how to read the Old Testament. It tells us very plainly how we are, as Christians, to read the Old Testament. We're to read it as uh, an instruction book. These things, meaning the judgment of God that happened to them, happened for your instruction. So that you wouldn't be like them when they worshipped idols and they were judged. In fact, chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians 10 is right before the instructions on in chapter 11 on how to come to the Lord's table. We, we don't want to come to the Lord's table in rebellion. The history of God's people is a history of rebellion and reconciliation. I would, I would say to you, believers, that's the history of your individual Christian life as well. That's why we have the regular discipline of coming uh, to worship the Lord and the regular discipline of coming to the Lord's table to examine ourselves because we constantly need that reminder. And this is nothing new among the people of God. One of the things that Ezekiel points out so clearly that they have profaned is the worship of God by violating his Sabbath. He mourns the loss of Sabbath. God in, 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 uh, gave the Sabbath to man for his well-being. And so that he would have a day to rest from his labors and then to come and worship him. 
Six, you're given six days to do whatever you want to do, but one day is a reminder of your existence belonging to me. Ezekiel proclaims loudly and boldly how this violation of the Sabbath principle has, uh, has destroyed them. They destroyed uh, uh, your fellowship with God. We, we uh, in America, we tend to think, take the Sabbath, uh, even in the American church, we, we tend to take the Sabbath principle uh, not seriously. Um, not seriously at all. Uh, our confession is very strict about it. Uh, often we, we uh, set that part aside. It's, it, is a, a, it is a tragedy, truly. You know, there are essential things that have to be done on the Sabbath, and, and I'm glad we have military, we have police, firemen, uh, medical workers who are available for us on the Sabbath. Jesus made clear those essential things have to take place, they have to be done. But for the most part, those things, um, most of us are not preoccupied with those things. It is important for a day to be set aside for rest and for worship. It was so strict. The Sabbath was so strict in the Old Testament. Why was it so strict? In Numbers 15, you had this uh, he refers back to the rebellion in the wilderness in Numbers 15. There's this guy, they, they catch and catch by gathering sticks for fire. You think, well, that's not too bad. And, they, and that's what they thought. This can't be too bad, but we're going to hold him, you know, and, the, and seek God about what should be done. God institutes the death penalty for this man. It's shocking. It shocks our sensibilities. It does mine. And you have to ask why. Hebrews chapter 4 in the New Testament gives, gives, instructs us because the Sabbath principle of the Old Testament was a picture of the gospel. Hebrews chapter 4 says there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You do no work on the Sabbath to be reminded that your salvation is not a work. Your salvation is all of grace and none of you. That's why the gospel is always at stake in the face of the religions of the world. Because man's religion is always about what you can do to earn favor with God. The Sabbath principle is God has brought about salvation. And it has nothing to do with your effort. That it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, and nothing else. Our confession is very clear. We are to keep a Sabbath, but it's also very clear we're not to keep a Jewish Sabbath. Because the Jewish type was just a type that has been fulfilled in Christ. Yes, we are to keep one day for worship. 
and, and one day for rest. But the main point of it is the gospel, the gospel of grace. The people of Israel had totally set it aside. As so often it is being set aside today. We need a day to come aside and come to uh, the place that God has given us. Wherever you're called to be in a local church. To hear God's word open and read and applied. This is what God uh, desires for his people. And the history of God's people, again, is repeated rebellion. But every time, and this is what's so glorious about Ezekiel, I, I, always, I always focus on the really bad things, you know? I think, I think that comes from my days of being an offensive lineman, you know? The only time you got recognized is when you did something bad, you know? Everybody's, oh, he did something terrible. And, and that's my tendency to look at bad things. But in every place, in Ezekiel, have you noticed this yet? In every place where it's really bad, there comes a verse 17. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, I spared them. They deserved the worst judgment ever. But I spared them. I did not destroy them. Nor make a full end of them. In the wilderness. God desires that his name. Be made famous. Among the nations. Who in the world does he think he is? God. Exactly. That's who he thinks he is, because he is. He is God, and he alone deserves worship and honor. A gracious God does not destroy us. He does not give us what we deserve, but he welcomes returning sinners. These Lions of Judah, these two that are mentioned in the beginning of our text, are wiped out because of their foolishness and their failure to listen and observe what was happening. Revelation, the book of Revelation, talks about Jesus' second coming and his return. Look at chapter 5 of Revelation, verse 5. Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And he sees a vision in heaven 
of the Lamb standing as if it has been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. We'll go into all that because I'm not preaching Revelation, but but it is an application of the principle. God overruled the wickedness of the lions of Judah in Ezekiel in order to preserve the line of his son, the seed of David, who came and he conquered sin and death and hell for everyone who believes. Do you believe this? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious fulfillment of the gospel that we read these difficult passages and we wonder how in the world uh, you used the, this terrible time in the history of Israel. Now we realize, reading back into it, that you did it for us, that we might understand our own sin and rebellion and our own need for your deliverance. And we thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ is the Lion of Judah who fulfilled all the types and we conquer in him and because of him through faith and trust in him alone and what he has done to deliver us from death and judgment. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.